Hello, 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 and welcome back to A Date with Sugar and Spice. I'm your host, Aspen English, and on this podcast, we are talking, well, we talk about a lot of different things. Um, If you tuned in last week, you'll know that um, we had, uh, I believe it was called Fake Film Bro Gives Dating Advice. Um, To those who tuned in, thank you so much to all of Gabe's friends who are now avid listeners of A Date with Sugar and Spice. Thank you very much. And for those just curious about like an update on Gabe's love life, um, last I heard, he actually has a date lined up. Um, like, you know, by the time this podcast comes out, he will have been on that date. Um, and no, it's not with any of the three girls we talked about last episode. So tune in to A Date with Sugar and Spice every week on, you know, Friday-ish. Um, to keep tabs on Gabe's love life. Well, I'll be sure to keep you updated on all the most important information as, as we should, you know, as a, as a news organization. Don't you think, Shari? Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, random question just for it. Uh, he was uh, talking about how you had to have the perfect movie. Is this a movie date? Because I feel like I need to judge his taste in movies if it yeah, is a Yeah, so a little recap about last week. Um, we decided he, he had three movie dates, actually, in mm. the month of January alone. Wow. Yeah, really impressive. Um, and he decided the ultimate best one was Ratatouille. But we decided the movie is only part of it. It's also the person that you're with. So I don't know. What do you think about that, Shari? I mean, it's definitely very valid. Um, Ratatouille sounds like a really good choice. I yeah. mean, uh, you can't go wrong with animated movies. Like, you, you really can't go wrong with Ratatouille in general. Um, and I would definitely say it's more about the person that you're with, but maybe that's a little too uh, aromantic of me to say. <laughs> that brings us very nicely into today's theme. Um, well, not really theme, but but I just wanted to sit down with Shari and have a little chat about her unique experience. So first, do you want to introduce yourself a little? Tell tell the people what they want to know, which is who you are. Wow, okay. Um, I'm Shari. Um, for those of you that know me, I'm usually found anywhere in the English department or in the UJ as the copy editor. Um, I also work as the editor-in-chief of Colob Canyon Review, our literary journal here on campus. Um, and I am very openly aromantic and asexual and that causes a lot of confusion for me and my roommates (laughs) now we're really sad that the roommates couldn't be here today but um when you say it causes a lot of confusion for you and your roommates what's the dynamic between you and your roommates like what what makes you stand apart from these roommates so both of my roommates are cis women i love them to absolute pieces um but they're they're very straight yeah um and so sometimes I just forget that they're straight. Um, I forget straight people <laughs> exist in general sometimes, really. Um, but a lot of that, when they start talking about uh, their urges today and all of this other stuff, I just kind of have to blink at them because that kind of drive makes zero sense to me. Um, and so it causes a lot of, uh, well, Shari, don't you feel this? And I go, well, no, no, I don't. Sorry. Interesting. Okay, so I feel like um, some of the listeners who are going to tune into this are going to be are going to be also confused. They're going to maybe be um, a little bit like your roommates. How would you, okay, how would you define asexual? What does that mean for people who are kind of unfamiliar with the term? Okay, so obviously all of this comes from my own research, my own observations of my own sexuality. So I definitely don't speak for the entire community. I want to make that clear. Absolutely. Um, but asexuality as a whole is a spectrum of sexuality that kind of says, okay, I don't feel sexual attraction. 
Um, there's sex uh, repulsed asexuals, people that just straight up don't want sex whatsoever. There's sex positive asexuals that want sex, they're okay with it, but they don't feel that attraction. And that's really what it is, is the attraction levels. Yeah. Um, so if you're not feeling that attraction, if you're feeling, say, uh, that attraction only when you're super close to somebody, um, that's demisexual. So like that spectrum encompasses a lot of different sexualities um, that just say, hey, I don't feel sexual attraction the way that the majority of the population does. That's so interesting. And then you also said you're aromantic. What does that mean? And how is that different? Right. That one's actually a little bit touchier for society. Um, and I think that's just the heteronormative experience that's going on with it. Um, being aromantic uh, is similar to asexuality, but on the romantic side of that spectrum. So being aromantic means that you don't feel romantic attraction in any levels. Um, this can be like Aeroflux, which you feel sometimes, but not all the time. It could be demiromanticism, where you feel it only when you're like really good friends with somebody. It could be that you want a relationship, um, but you don't feel it. That's where I sit as a cupio romantic. Um, so it's just another spectrum of sexuality that encompasses that attraction in terms of um, romanticism. Yeah. And why do you think, I feel like, okay, I feel like in, it's 2023, you know, I feel like people are learning more and more about um like sexuality in general people are becoming more open-minded people are learning more what it means to like be yourself and also you know if there are labels that help you like kind of define who you are why do you think like do you think that people fully understand being ace or aro like do you really think do you think we're there yet um Respectfully, hell no. Yeah. <laughs> we are definitely nowhere near that. And a lot of it, again, is the heteronormative perspective. Um, a lot of times, people that are aloe that feel that kind of attraction, that emotion, um, it's really hard to understand not feeling it. When you do feel it, it it's hard to identify that absence. Yeah. Um, so a lot of times people are like, well, you, you're different than like you're broken because everyone else feels this way and it's the idea of brokenness that I think alienates a lot of arrow and asexual people and makes it really really hard um, to fit with that societal perspective right but at the end of the day we, I want to make it clear that's not the case no, no one's broken right no <laughs> definitely definitely not like what you what you feel is what you feel um, society is society and society sucks and uh, it, it is what it is at the moment of, of course we're working towards that change every day but it's not just going to overturn overnight right and what okay so one more question just to get everyone like kind of on the same page I, I want to know when did you know like when did you know that you were ace and arrow and I think this kind of stems from the idea that um like just how people you know in our society which we love so much woo woo, people are kind of assumed to be straight until proven otherwise mm. I feel like the same thing applies for um like just sexuality and romanticism in general I feel like people are kind of assumed to want certain things to want love to seek it out until proven otherwise and that also is like you said kind of difficult when did you know how did you know um i think the asexual thing came pretty easy i just didn't necessarily know the term for mm -hmm. it at the time because um, growing up i never really understood why people were so obsessed with sex i didn't understand that like um for instance when people say that people are hot they have a physical reaction to other people um 
I just use the term hot to describe someone that's aesthetically pleasing. Like they look really good. There's not a physical reaction that's happening with me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of how I knew the asexual thing. Cause I was never really interested in it. And I don't feel like the actual sexual drive is different than the attraction. So while I have a sex drive, I don't have attraction to anybody and I don't necessarily want to have sex with anybody. So the asexual thing, that's kind of how I found that one out, really cut and dry for me. The aromanticism, on the other hand, was definitely a harder thing to accept. Interesting. Um, And a lot of that's because we grow up with those fairy tales. Like we grow up with Disney Channel, we grow up with those uh, just like princess romances, and you see yourself in that situation. You want that fairy tale ending for yourself. And it's just presented to you at such a young age that like that's what you want, that's what you aspire to. And so realizing that you don't feel that is such a difficult thing. And for me, it's a it's a little bit harder to understand the barriers between what quantifies romantic attraction versus friendship attraction, aesthetic attraction. Um, For people on these spectrums of sexuality and orientation, a lot of that doesn't come as naturally to us and it's a lot more separated. Mm -hmm. Um, So the aromanticism took me a lot longer because I think I was trying so hard to fit myself to that heteronormative expectation. I wanted that relationship. And that's where I fit with the cupio romanticism is I want it, but I can't feel it. Um, For others, they just know that they don't feel it and that's okay for them. And it's harder to accept more because friendships are never going to be seen in society at present um, as higher than romantic partners. But at the end of the day, like all relationships have like, intrinsic value oh definitely. and so i think that's exactly what you were saying about that heteron- the heteronormative ideals of society again our favorite thing in the world oh definitely and do you ever feel like um i feel like a lot of people actually have have um maybe not feel this way but feel like society feels this way do you ever feel like people who are in romantic relationships are valued above people who aren't do you feel like there's more like I feel like something that I grew up with was this idea that and this was kind of like a little bit of that Utah hashtag religion hashtag all that good stuff but it was like there was this idea that was placed on me that I would never be complete without another person Mm -hmm. in my life did have like have you felt that have you felt targeted by those ideas i i wouldn't necessarily say that i've felt targeted by those ideas but they're definitely prevalent and they have affected me a great deal um i just wouldn't say that i i am lucky enough that i haven't really felt um the brunt of it like i know so many other people have and um i'm really lucky to be in that position um but i do feel like it is a societally prevalent thing for people to value romantic relationships and partners above anything else. And for me, um, I mean, I always get the questions of Shari, when are you going to go on a date? Um, Shari, your little sister who's uh, 16 has been on a date and had her first kiss before you. And that's embarrassing for you. When in reality, it doesn't feel embarrassing to me. It's just that societal expectation of you should have been hitting these milestones like everybody else on the face of the planet. When it's not something that I value, um, so I definitely, I definitely think that people see me in a different light once I start telling them that I lack that attraction and that drive for those relationships. Um, so yeah, society, society sucks. Society does suck, and that's so interesting that I don't know, just like the comparison 
that you have to face. Because, okay, so so you are QP romantic. So mm -hmm. something, a relationship is maybe something that you want in the future. What do you think, what would that, What? how does that impact maybe how you view dating? Do you think that that's something that you'll do eventually? Or do you think that maybe um, like, that path is different for you? I really think it's different for me. Um, and this kind of leads us into queer romantic uh, partners. Um, when you have a, a queer platonic re relationship, um, and I completely butchered that. Do you want to say it again? Yeah, I Gabe. do. Gabe, help me. Gabe I butchered it. myself. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so that leads us into queer platonic relationships. Um, because I think that a lot of times um, I want to have a partner. I don't necessarily want the dates and romanticism as society dictates. I should want them if that makes sense. Um, because like I, I want that fairy tale ending. I want to have somebody and I want to be someone's person. Um, and I think we all want that to some degree that we want to be somebody's person yeah. in whatever form. Um, but the actual dating as it is societally gives me the ick <laughs> and that's Which so is unfortunate so but it is valid the ick so yeah. okay would you say that it gives you like the ace ick is that like a specific like type of ick that you get honestly i don't know if it's like a specific one but it's like dating wise so in in the realm of just dating not necessarily like sex sex aside mm -hmm. um i had a friend go through and ask me on a double date and i was like I don't really want to do that. And it's not even the person because I love that person. But if they had labeled it, hey, I want to go hang out, I would have been so much more comfortable with that. It's just the date and the expectation that goes along with that that I absolutely right. have this ick reaction to. Like, I can't for the life of me get over that. And I don't necessarily want to get over that. I just want a relationship in a different way that's not seen as romantic. Yeah. That's so interesting. And I think the idea of like the ick is so funny because I actually kind of had a little bit of a game planned, a game, a, a little bit of a something in the back of my head. I just wanted, I just wanted to see, um, you know, it, your reaction to some things. So hear me out. Um, I have a little bit of a list on my phone. It's just a couple things okay. that I have thought about. And I was like, hmm, what are like some super straight, like super like I don't know like some super romantic kind of like icky things that I could see how you would think they would be weird I they're just some things that I think you might think are weird because okay. I I'm getting I'm getting a little bit of a hint I'm getting a little bit of a hmm that just seems strange I want your take as kind of a an unbiased opinion right because okay. I feel like I'm biased by my maybe my I'm maybe I'm a little bit of a hopeless romantic like maybe I'm a little bit of like a you know like I've got the little butterflies I like something that's a little cutesy I want you to tell me if these things are weird with your unclouded judgment Okay. What do you think? No, I can definitely do that. Um, but just to, to, to add to it, okay. I'm also a hopeless romantic. Like, and that's part Ooh. of the, the QPO thing. Like, I love the idea of romance. I love rom-coms. I love watching romances. Uh -huh. I sob my eyes out. I love it. Um, 
but in the same grade, it's different watching it happen to other people uh-huh. than it happening to yourself. Like that's kind of where that difference would is. Would you say you're a hopeless aromantic? Yeah, yeah, I would. <laughs> no, really though, um, because like I talk all the time about um, these characters in like books or animes or TV shows, mm-hmm. and I'm like, wow, these people are gorgeous, or I would marry them on the spot, or they'd treat me right. But if the same thing were to happen to me in real life, yeah. ick. Interesting. That's just kind of how it is. Interesting. Okay, I'm gonna pull out. I'm. This is this is intriguing me. I'm gonna pull out my my little my little um list. Okay. Okay. All right, Gabe. Can I get a little bit of a game show music intro? Just a short one. This is Shari and the Ix. I just came up with that on the spot. I so, love it. Gabe, I'm sorry. That was not my best. That was not my best. No, no, no. Don't uh, apologize to Gabe because it's funny. <laughs> okay. Okay, good. All right. Um, thing number one, sex playlists. <laughs> okay. Um, I didn't really believe that people made sex playlists <laughs> until that audio was going around TikTok. What audio? What? The, I can't even mock it. Um. It's like the beep one. The oh, do, the do do do. Yeah, do, that, do, I didn't know do. people put together sex playlists, and I feel like that's so odd. Like, is a sex playlist something that like, is it to, is it like a foreplay thing? Like, is it to get you in the mood, or is it like while you're having it's sex? It's like like usually I feel like it's while it's during it is playing in the background. How does that make you feel? Um, listen, that's so odd. To me, that that's a thing, because <laughs> I feel like I feel like you're paying more attention to the music than your partner at that point. Is that not accurate? Well, you know what? From <laughs> I feel like it kind of is. So you know how would you do? You like to like listen to music while you're studying, or maybe like have background noise while you're doing something else. Oh yeah, definitely. Like okay, and I'm asking this but I've got to say I know Shari. I when she's in the office, she's and you know, she is doing the work. Shari is the reason our office like functions oh, at boo. all. But whenever she's in there and she's working, she's got a show on in the background. I do. And so you're listening to something, right? Yeah. Would you say that it helps you focus? Are you saying that a sex playlist helps you focus on sex? Is, maybe is not that the connection that maybe I'm supposed not to be drawing? Focus, but but you said, and and I'm gonna quote something you said yesterday. Okay. You said I have to have something on in the background. True, true, yeah. It, so, in the same way that maybe putting on a show in the background kind of gets you in the mood, gets you in the headspace mm-hmm. to do some work. Sex playlist does that for a lot of people in that way. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Shari's bamboozled. I am bamboozled. Um, that just seems so odd to me. Like those of you that enjoy it, I am not shaming you whatsoever. Like enjoy what you're going to enjoy. Um, I, I just am confused. <laughs> so, so tell now. This is just a little bit of a hypothetical. Now, well, actually, actually, where would you rank it on the ick scale? Do you think? Do you get the ace ick, or maybe just the general confusion? 
Where, where would you put that on the ick slash confusion scale? On a, on a one to a ten? Honestly, I would say that's maybe like only a two or three. And okay. mostly because like if any of you have asexual friends, um, you will know that the aces in the room are always the ones telling the worst jokes. Like they have the most sexual sense of humor above <laughs> anybody. And it's it's more because we're like, we're either super fascinated with the idea because we don't have those societal strings tugging at us with it um, or, or whatever reason. Um, so I, I'd say it's like really low and I'm not about to say that I don't listen to a bunch of super sexual songs. I just mm-hmm. am really, uh, confused on how that gets you in the mood. Interesting. Okay. So, so we've got a, maybe a two or a three. Yeah. Nothing, nothing too big. Yet. All right. Gabe, give me a little like a, a, a ding, ding, ding sound or something for the official rating. Shari's official rating, two or three. <laughs> ding, ding. You know, I very gotta, official. Gotta gotta make sure Gabe gets his hours in. Oh, for sure, sound for sure. In. Okay, so here, just a little thought exercise. If you say you were tasked with making a sex playlist, what what would you put on there? Oh damn. Um. So this is like this is basically your worst nightmare. Honestly, like, <laughs> it's it's not. It's something that I'd have to think about. But like, I could do this pretty okay. easy. Okay. Um. And I mean, I would try to lean away from like the the really overdone ones because I feel like uh, "You Shook Me All Night" is just <laughs> on everybody's sex playlist apparently, um, and I feel like mine does not need that on it. Okay. Um, but like, okay, this is gonna be an awful one. Um, "Cake by the Ocean," but oh not necessarily. <laughs> it's not even necessarily because it's about sex, um, but because uh, I think "Cake by the Ocean" sounds so much better than sex on the beach oh my gosh that's funny that's an ace thing thank you thank you okay. it really is cake by the ocean eating a little slice of cake yeah. on the beach hanging out mm-hmm. okay to be fair sex on the beach sounds terrible i know you sounds get sand cold, wet, everywhere sand, Gross. yeah okay i can get behind that thank um you, this you. is uh shari's official playlist recommendation um put cake by the ocean on your playlists people um you know learn a little okay here's the next thing on my list People who are willing to die for love. Okay, so so this is kind of an abstract idea. Okay. But, like, you know, think Romeo and Juliet. Think, like, literally being willing to, like, you'd rather die than, like, be without your love. Think, mm. think Jack letting Rose have the whole door, even though there's so much room. There's so much room. So, like, what what's your take on that? Because people seem... You ever heard the, like everyone's heard the term love makes you do crazy things, right? Oh, for sure. What do you? What's your take? Okay, I think this is really circumstantial because, like, like I said, I am a hopeless romantic. So if you're setting up the plot, oh, by the way, I'm also a creative writer. If that wasn't clear, so like <laughs> those two things together, um, I'm a I'm a horrible horrible nuisance to everybody <laughs> about it. Um, I think if like you set up that plot so that it's really tear jerking, it's really romantic, like it's just undying love that the two of them share for each other and that's the circumstance i think i'd be fine with it um but in the case of you know jack no shove that bitch over crawl on the door you have enough room so like things that are super pointless like that no have a little bit more logic than your like love crazed sunglasses here like you you can do a little bit better and if someone's going to you know, let you be in that water. I don't, I don't feel like they love you. 
as much as you think that they do. So Interesting. So you're saying you wouldn't die for love? Honestly, I don't know as that I would in most circumstances. Like, just because it's a lot more practical not to. Yeah. And to be honest, you're so right. Thank like, you. it would just be a million times more practical. I know. To, like, just like, okay, let's be rational here. Like, okay. So um, over the summer, well, not over the summer even, it was back in November. So I mm. went to go visit my beautiful friend Jess when she was studying abroad in London. If uh, you're a longtime yes. listener, you remember I had Jess on the podcast a couple weeks ago. We went to see this, um, this uh, like, musical um, called And Julia, and mm. it's like what happens after like basically William Shakespeare is a play or is a character in in this own in this play and his wife Anne Hathaway not to be confused with our Anne Hathaway his wife was just literally named Anne Hathaway of course um his wife like goes on stage and takes over and goes this is a terrible ending what are you thinking and then she rewrites it and you can you get to see the play play out if like they didn't die you know and like turns out like you know, there's definitely some queer elements. There's mm, more. Love it, there's love like it. Juliet maybe like doesn't find love in Romeo. She like kind of realizes, hey, that was stupid of me. Like I'm gonna start fresh, you know. And it was just like so satisfying to me, because like I never thought Romeo and Juliet was had a satisfying ending. No, I thought it was. I know they're like tragic romance. Yeah, I don't care. I thought it was dumb. I hate when people die at the end. Yeah. No. I I can't I can't do the whole Romeo and Juliet thing because no. it's like it is one thing if you are both fully in it together and you really are dying for your love and you are mm-hmm. like your soulmate type of thing. Um, but no, the Romeo and Juliet thing, like you have so much that you could have lived for instead, like just not practical yeah. in my opinion. And maybe that's really controversial. Yes. Okay. So where would you rank that? on the ick slash confusion level? Um, definitely not necessarily confusion because, uh, I mean, people people are what they are, I guess. Um, I'd say that one drives me a little bit more nuts than the sex playlists, in all honesty. Okay. Um, so I'd say maybe, maybe like a four. Oh, a four. Gabe, can I get that little buzzer sound or something like that? Thank you. Okay, number three. Number three is kind of a fun one. Um, And just a little like interjection here. I just think that if you're listening to my podcast, to this podcast today, um, thanks for being here. If you're my mother, maybe like I feel like I kind of hope she's turned this off by now. But if not, you know, I guess I guess go go off. I just hope my mom never finds it. (laughs) I you know what? I tried for a really long time. She found it. Valid. Um, so number three on my list is people's fascination with butts and boobs. And we were talking about this yesterday. Yeah, we were okay. we were talking about this with Jess. Um listen, I this one does kind of give me the <laughs> ick because like the idea of boobs, yuck. The idea <laughs> of asses, yuck. Um and, and here's the distinction, I guess, a little bit. Um, I never, ever want to see another person naked. Ever. Oh. I, I, no. Like, that Interesting. gives me so the just biggest like ick. Being naked in general is just a huge ick for you. Not, yeah. well, other people naked. Yeah, like other people naked. Yeah. I just, no. Like, 
that is that is ick um for me personally um but if we're talking like they're clothed i can lean towards and i guess this is to call up uh your fight with uh jess well it wasn't listen i was just i was being a little bit feisty but a little bit feisty (laughs) listen it's a it's an age-old debate it is are you are you an ass guy are you a boob guy and I mean, it's very valid. It's so valid. And so Jess, team boobs, I'm team butts. But uh, like, that's not to say I can't appreciate both. I'm just saying, like, at the end of the day, if you had to choose one or the other. So, and then we asked Shari. We said, Shari, what's your take? What's the ace take on this? Okay, here, here's my personal take on it. Um, I can recognize when someone has good boobs or a good ass. Um, that does not mean that I like them. I just recognize that they are they are good. Um, Mm. but what I will say is I am on the boobs side only because like when you hug somebody to have that pillow or while you're cuddling to have that pillow, very nice, very lovely. Okay. So for practical reasons, practical reasons. Okay. So like sensual reasons, I guess. And that's another thing that's really different is like aloe people, um, kind of just go through life experiencing all of these different attraction things all lumped in together. Um, but when you're on the, the ace and arrow spectrums, you kind of have to learn where those divides sit and you experience them all very differently. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of like the sensual attraction I still experience and yeah. as, as well as aesthetic. Um, so like that's why I'm team boob um, is for practical mm. reasons only. Interesting. Okay. All right. Um, and where would you put like people's fascination with that and the debate where would you put that on the ick scale uh that's such a big ick but i wouldn't <laughs> there's, there's still things that are worse so i'm gonna say that one sits at like a seven okay all right that's so fair and this is just so funny to me i'm 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 enjoying this and and i've only got one more on my list so okay. and i'm really curious about this one because i feel like you're in a very um uniquely a credible spot to kind of give your opinion on this. So okay. this is, this one is love poems. Okay. okay. So, so, and you're a creative writing major. I am. So I'm sure you've had to read and write your fair share of poems oh, in your day, right? Yeah. And also as the editor-in-chief of KCR, everyone go follow them on all the social media platforms, by the way. Um, you've had to edit them. You've had to choose them. You've had to see if they're good. And I, I'll tell you something, okay? This has been several, several, um, several, several, like probably a couple of seasons ago, but I once told my story of having been sent a love poem by someone. It was, I was taking a creative writing class and there was this guy who like kept trying to hit on me and I was like clearly giving off the vibes that I wasn't interested but then he's like hey will you look at this poem like we had to write a poem for class and he's like will you look at the one I wrote and um so I said like I guess so because I didn't know how to say no back in the day Mm -hmm. but um let me let me just read it to you oh yes okay please okay so here is the poem and I just want you to know like it's It is a picture of a desktop computer with Microsoft Word open. So just to like set the scene. And it's sent to me over text. And so the dude is like, "Um, would you be willing to give me a little feedback on my poem? And here's what I said. Because listen, I'm trying my best to be assertive. I'm a freshman at the time. Mm -hmm. I said, hey, Steven, shout out to Steven. I'd be happy to read your poem. 
But I was thinking that it would be better if we were just friends, just so you know. But as your friend, I will definitely check out your assignment. So I feel like I'm putting out some boundaries there. Mm -hmm. I just want you, you to know. And then this is what he sends me anyway. The poem says, A breezy, fragrant spring day. Laughter ringing in our yard. A warm, lazy summer day. A smile glowing on her face. A brisk, golden autumn evening. The colors illuminate our gaze. A cozy, fiery winter night. Firelight shining in her eyes. Oh, how it go comes and goes. A slowly fading memory. An empty bed beside me. <laughs> I'm... Um, listen, listen, my dude, um, everything I am about to say is not targeting you whatsoever. I, I really just want In to make that clear. In case Steven's listening. In case Steven's listening. Um, but poor Aspen here can see the look of horror on my face. It's, uh, it, the it's she i can tell in her eyes she wants to start crying because of how bad yeah was. that was a little bit of me being dead inside um and i mean like i i'm definitely a creative writing major um and poetry is kind of my niche within mm -hmm. the creative writing world I, i'm a published poet um and the major thing about it is there's just so much imagery that none of the imagery actually works so it's just yeah. this string of cliche just it's pinterest board it, poetry it at its worst it really is um and it just it feels very naive and tossed out there mm -hmm. i oh i i can't love poems in general i'm i have not published that many on uh, kcr to be honest with you most of the staff tends to turn them away um mm -hmm. and a lot of that is because like if you've ever taken a um a writing class with uh Dabrowski here on campus, um, she's our poetry professor, she will tell you that love poems are among the hardest to write. And it's it's definitely real um, because it's really hard to sound sincere in a love poem um, and not sound grossly naive and cliche. Yes. And would you agree with that probably like even more because like of your asexuality? Or do you think, do you think that that kind of just allows you to see just how cliche and kind of cringe they can be um it definitely allows me to see how cringy a lot of it can be uh because i am a little bit detached from it um like even mm -hmm. being a hopeless romantic i still have like i don't have that attraction i've never felt that way about somebody so it's really hard for me to go through and buy into a lot of the cliches that yeah. way um so it's definitely easier for me there was this poem uh, that I read a while back and everybody I showed it to could not for the life of them understand why I hated the poem. Like the poem mm -hmm. gave me the greatest amount of ick. Yeah. Um, but they were like, oh, Shari, it's so romantic. It's so cute. And I was like, well, look at this really specific wording. And the infantilization was so obvious. And that's so prevalent in a lot of um, love poems is that infantilization, that, um, that power dynamic. Yikes. Yeah. Like, it, and I mean, I guess that's maybe just the, the heteronormative mm -hmm. stuff coming back into it. Um, but when you start seeing a lot of that in the love poems, it's hard to unsee it. Yes. Okay. So where would you put that on the ick meter? Oh, that one is such a large ick for me. Mm -hmm. Like I would put that one definitely at like 
a solid eight and a half. All right, Gabe, you heard her. I I can't wait to hear what you know little sound effects he uses. Um, I know. I always I'm kind of get about it. It's kind of fun. Um, that's all I've got on the list. Uh, for those listening. I hope now you know. I hope maybe your eyes are opened a little bit just to the cringiness that exists in the world around us. Um, Shard, do you have any like kind of final pieces of advice, maybe some words of wisdom to leave the people with or or even just, um, you know, something that maybe people don't think about very often if they're not Ace or A-Row? Honestly, that's such like a loaded thing because I have a million things racing through my head that I would want to just impart upon people if I could. Um, Biggest thing, I guess, like all of my ace people out there, uh, all of my arrow people, um, anybody that's questioning if you're part of that spectrum of identity, um, you are not broken. You ain't. Uh, Society is just screwed. Um, That's that's what's up. Um, And to all of my aloe people... um, recognize that we exist a little bit more um because like most of the time it will roll off of our backs and we'll just ignore the commentary um but there's a lot of heteronormative stuff that just ends up being said because that's what society we're in right now and a lot of times it can make your ace and arrow friends question themselves and their sexuality and their identity a lot hearing all of that coming from you um so just try to be supportive, like ask your friends what, what they need, what support that they need from you. Um, and honestly, they will gladly, gladly tell you. I think that is such great advice. And also just an opportunity for people to be a little bit more understanding and a little bit more inclusive, which you can never go wrong doing, right? Mm-hmm. Fair. I love that. All right. Well, thank you again for imparting so much wisdom for really putting us aloe people in our place a little because I think we need it. I'm just going to say I think we need it. I think Jack and Rose need it. I think Romeo and Juliet need it. Um, Shari, it was wonderful to have you. Well, thank you, Aspen. It was really nice to be here, even though this was super daunting. (laughs) You did a great job. And of course, as always, thanks to Gabe for all the editing. Um, And yeah, we'll see you next week with another episode and maybe another update on Gabe's love life. See you next week. (laughs) 